0: Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian, joined as always by my good mate Lockie, and it has been one of the most insane roller coaster rides of a season, 2023. There was the heartbreak of last year where I think we all kind of felt like okay, we're going to take our learnings from that season. We're going to use that failure as motivation. We're going to right the previous wrongs, all of which was going to manifest in a big year where all our problems are fixed in the off season. We're going to storm towards finals, make a big impact come September. And look, it it didn't pan out the way we probably expected it to happen. And while ultimately... We didn't have the success that we truly wanted. It was a massive step forward for this group. It's the furthest that both of us has ever seen Carlton go in September. Yep. And just from what we were able to do this season, you know, some of our favorite moments and memories were forged. We went from bottom four in round bloody 15. Oh. We We're questioning our own sanity, let alone what was going on with the club and to go from that to fifth, winning two finals, playing in a prelim, being a few kicks away from a grand final, one of the craziest seasons I've ever witnessed. It's a massive one. So let's get into it. Let's review it all. Lockie, firstly, how are you going, mate?
1: Fantastic, mate. I'm glad the season is over. It feels like a bit of a weight off the shoulders um, and it feels nice to have a look back now. I was listening back earlier today to like our episodes that we did and... Uh, I think it showed me that it's good to put a lot of predictions out there because mm. if you just put enough volume out there, you'll get some right um, and heaps wrong. So I'm keen to look at them.
0: Well, that's it. So we'll make sure that anything that we got wrong is not included in this episode, no, and we, we just don't say that we got everything. No, we got them all right. We absolutely nailed it. Uh, no, but we'll get through <laughs> the predictions, um, revisiting those throughout. But we're going to have a bit of reflection time, going to review the season that was, and we'll start with something that I think works really well. We're going to grade the season. And oh. so Lockie and I are going to give this a kind of like a, a high school kind of uh, English report grade, you know, ABC, sure. all that kind of thing. Let us know as well. Follow along. I want to hear from the listeners as well. I want you guys to be a part of this, giving your mm. answers to every single question that we're throwing out there. If you're on YouTube, chuck it in the comments below. Or if you're in podcast form, head over to the socials at Navy Blue Corner. Let us know your thoughts. Lockie, if nice. you were to grade this season as oh, a whole, damn. what grade are you going to give it <laughs> and why? The the explanation's the big thing that I want to know.
1: I have been going back and forth all day in my head on this between two. Because I like every time I try and justify one, I, I can't fully do it. So I'm stuck at the moment between mm. A and B plus. You wouldn't believe you? it. We are stuck between the same thing. My note here is
0: I've been wrestling between B plus and an A. Because I have
1: B plus slash A. Because
0: <laughs> the biggest issue, which I think you've got the same thing, is yeah. we didn't achieve the ultimate success. So it feels, or even, I guess, make the grand final, which feels weird to give it an A. I think both of us would. Yeah come and go, look, if we've made the grand final one, the thing it's an A plus and a, it doesn't feel right. But also from where we came this season from being in the bottom four to make finals, to win two, we're probably above our predictions at the start of the season. I think for me, it was, I was hopeful. Mm -hmm. Let's get into finals, win one, maybe two and see what happens. But I didn't truly believe we'd win the flag this year. So that really gears me towards yeah. the A mark, but then Love we it. put ourselves in that position midway through the year. So is it a, is a B plus enough? I am mm. not sure. I've still got my answer. <laughs> it's so but I want hard. you to convince me either way, Lockie. What was your thinking going between
1: the two? Well, that's why I thought you were going to come into this with an A because listening back, mm. you you were more like the fifth kind yeah. of position, which you nailed. So that's why I felt like an A would be justified. I was—I couldn't believe how bullish I was listening back to <laughs> how I was thinking in February. I was like, we're all kind of thinking like top four is like a good mark. Like, really? Was everyone thinking that before the season? Top four? Um, so I, I feel like I can't be like, well, we didn't actually make top four technically. Um, mm. You know, I thought we were going to have, or I hoped we were going to have 15 wins. Um, and we had 13 and a half. So it feels like, to me, I was like, oh, it just can't be an A. But then B plus feels way too low for being a couple of kicks away from a grand final. So that's why I'm on the fence. Yeah. I think in the end, I'm going
0: A just based on what we went through, what we achieved. I think because of the expectation, like you, you sort of nailed it down with that. The expectation wasn't this. It was still quite hopeful. I believe. Yeah. And with that, I think you have to give it an A. A plus is probably winning the grand final. Yeah. But it's very close. Very keen to hear everyone's thoughts on that because it's, hard, it's so hard to give it less than an A with just how much this season's brought us. But ultimately, we do want that number 17.
1: Like I said, with the volume of predictions we're putting out there, even though you said you think we'd finish fifth, you did say... I just have this feeling we're going to make a prelim this year mm. and then win it all next year. So I was very impressed with that.
0: I did also say it would not only be prelim heartbreak, we win the flag the next year, but I think I did say three-peat. So maybe we not, we'll not uh, get very excited <laughs> <laughs> now that we've made the prelim, just didn't get it this year, three-peat may be it's our time on its way, but we'll jump to the next one throughout this season. Yes. There's been a lot of good games, a lot of big ones, a lot of big wins, if you were to say... One was your favourite. What was your favourite game?
1: I love whenever you put in the run sheet, like, best game. Like, I have to come up with one because I wrote down five. Yeah, I did uh, the same I, thing. <laughs> five?
0: I didn't write five. I think I wrote three. Oh, I was going to say.
1: Oh, my but, God. Well. Um, I think for me, it's the Sydney final. Okay. That's my, that's my number one game. I think, yeah, everything that came along with that, like the the anticipation of the week off, like the whole build up to that was like such a massive thing. Whereas like the build up to the Melbourne game was obviously a bit less because of the Mm. time and that kind of thing. And um, like, yeah, just everything about that game. I'm I'm just going to remember it forever. And yeah, I think that's the best game.
0: Mm. Yeah. I've gone similar, but I have gone the Melbourne game. I thought this was almost too easy one to have down here. And it was really just, those closing moments, the joy that I had yeah. as soon as that siren went and the feeling for the rest of the week, I've never experienced anything close <laughs> to that level of happiness that I had in those moments. I'm still... Yeah. Some say I'm still at the MCG hugging random strangers that are walking past yeah. me. It was absolutely incredible. Well documented. So I think that that one really for having never seen us win a semi-final, it's just so, almost impossible to put it past that. The game itself, yeah. I don't think was great. Like Mm. there weren't a ridiculous amount of amazing moments until really the end. It was pretty scrappy, Mm. but just for what it meant right at the final siren, that was the big one. I think the other ones, the other two that I kind of had wrestling between if, if you went in, if you went the Melbourne one that I thought was going to be the simple get was I think closely behind it was the Collingwood win. Hmm. just because it was the first time I think we really this season beat a contender that there were no question marks going to be put on that win. It wasn't X team of they've dropped some players, someone's injured, this or that. It was no, we're going into this game on demand. They're playing the best football that they've played all season, going into this game. There's no excuses. If we win this, here we go. And I think that was the first time we really, truly announced ourselves this season, beating the true contender, um, and then the other one that weirdly I probably have slightly higher than the Collingwood win was the Port Adelaide game because it was mm-hmm. similar to that. I know oh, they that had a few outs out. and that's the asterisk on it. But to go in and at this stage, Port were second favorites to win the flag for us to do this yeah, with some outs, losing Harry early in the game and to do it winning by 50 We we hadn't beaten many great teams, big contenders by big margins in any recent season. So to do that was kind of like, oh my God, the game was done at halftime. It doesn't feel like that's been something we've been able to say against a really solid opposition in a long time.
1: Yeah, I had that one written down as well. I still, I think looking back, the, the whole players that they had out thing, it just wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> no. Like, oh, they had to bring they had to bring Tom Jonas back in, their captain. Like, sorry, but <laughs> yeah. it can't be that bad. Um, yeah, I had that one written down. I think the other two for me, like the Geelong game, which feels like 10 years ago. Oh wow. That That's was just one. like after the kind of, I guess kind of I don't know if you heartbreak's the right word from mm. round one. Like I think we'd penciled that one in as a loss preseason. So mm. that was like a euphoric win. And then this might be hot take, not really a hot take, but after the schmozzle that was the Adelaide game, which was like such an embarrassing thing. And the fact that we'd never kind of just put a mm. team, f- like fully buried a team going over and beating West Coast by a hundred, I think was just a really great thing too. Like that was one of the most enjoyable viewing experiences I've had because how many games can we remember that it was just like, there was never any hope that we'll of the other team winning. Oh, we were so relaxed, so relaxed for that, watching that West coast game.
0: I think the one thing that hurts that one for me was just that that wasn't the Kickstarter, probably the same with the Geelong yeah. game in the moment. It felt as if, yes, yeah, so we've just beaten the reigning premiers. We're going to go on from here. And because we stagnated, yeah. we won a couple, but they weren't convincing add some bad losses. I don't think I hold it in such high regard compared to the back end of the season wins, but it, totally. how good was it to finally have this season? A few of those, you can just sit back and enjoy it kind of games. We, we haven't had those in a long time. that have been a long time. Big. So we've talked about big games. What about your best favorite moments from the season? There's been a lot. So <sighs> I, I, I know that you've got more than one written down. Cause I definitely do, but give me yeah. your number one, Favourite moment of the season?
1: I didn't go as crazy with this one, but it it lines up with the best game. I think the like you spoke about some of your happiest moments being related to that Melbourne game. When Newey took that mark with like a couple seconds to Mm. go and like that was the moment that we knew we had it. Like that was just, I've never been so emotional with a Carlton game. That was just... That moment was just incredible. And everything that came around it, like how many Carlton fans were in that stadium, um, it just, yeah, Mm. best moment of, I would say, of my life related to Carlton, not just this season. It's special. It definitely is. I love so much with that
0: moment that there's just the first initial... It's like the Blake Acres mark and goal where yes. as soon as the one thing happens, there's the massive roar of the crowd and then half a second later, the siren goes. And you're like, there's no exactly. way that there's any air left in our lungs to go louder. And somehow we went to the next level. And that was that was kind of 100%. mine going with like the favorite game, it was the Blake Acres mark goal and then the siren if you put all those together because that's just when I was going the most wild that I ever have at a football game. And the probably the difference of why I have this over the Sydney moments is there was just a level of disbelief at Mm. that Melbourne game compared to the Sydney. The Sydney was relief, but because we'd probably been the better – team all game we should have won it thank god we finally won a final it's been Mm -hmm. so long whereas the Melbourne one I just still could not comprehend that we had kicked that goal that we were in front that we had won that game it happened so quickly from a moment of we've lost this the game's done we're no chance that level of hysteria (laughs) is just unmatched so that was my that was my big one did you have any other of your favorite moments that you wanted to sprinkle (sighs) in
1: Those two are just so far above everything else. Mm. I think uh, the other one I, I just wrote down because I was like, oh, I don't want to just think about the finals. I think when mm. Charlie kicked his 10th against West yes, Coast, that was also just a pretty epic thing. Mm. Like that game, I I went back and rewatched some of that game the other week and I'm like, it was just such a strange game. Like mm. we ke- uh, it might've been 10 goals. I think in the first quarter that we kicked to none, it was like, very strange, but the fact that Charlie got there was a, definitely a good moment.
0: Yeah, that game, another, it's another one I feel that he's scarred by all the injuries as that game just kept going yeah, on. I it was, can like we just injuries. finish? Can we stop playing this game? I don't care. I didn't care about the scoreline anymore. It was just, can mm. everyone not get injured? It was not a fun one, but the 10th goal was, was something special from the crowd. I had another Charlie-related moment.
1: Mm-hmm. It was
0: Charlie's mark in defense against Gold Coast. (sighs) And then the siren of that game of just, we'd had such a massive run, but finally, finally ticking off. We are mathematically, we've made finals. You can't take it off us. We're in the top eight. We're going to be playing finals footy for the first time in 10 years. That was just such a big moment of just relief of what everything had been building up to at that point. (laughs) So that was just one another euphoric, moments, but with the positives, it. it does come some negatives. Do you have a worst game or worst moment for the mm. season? And what would it be?
1: Hmm. I was trying to think of a worst moment, but I, I struggled. So I'm interested to see if you do. I, I just had games written down, mm. um, which I feel like we spoke about some of these in the mid-season season Review, But I think the Sydney game is still my personal like rock bottom performance. Like just, yeah, I, I felt dirty after watching that game. I felt mm. disgusted. Um, And then Adelaide is up there. Like that was just so unexpected. Mm. Mm. And then this wasn't my rock bottom from like a game perspective, but everything that came in like the week after the Essendon game. Um, so if I had to pick like a moment, I feel like us having to do a podcast after the Essendon game, that's probably the worst Mm. moment of the season for me, having to try and justify and like, try and find hope. It's a tough one. And it's
0: looking back on these is so much better now with what has preceded it, what we've been able to accomplish this season. Because it was grim, and I, I agree with you. I think the Sydney loss was the one that I had. And again, it's like we've got the same run sheet in front of us because yeah. I've written here, felt like rock bottom. And I, I know Essendon <laughs> seems to yeah. be that game for the majority of Carlton supporters, Yeah. but the Sydney game I just had penciled in, looking at that tough run of games of, well, this is the one we win. Sydney aren't playing good football. They have no, no key defenders there. This is the winnable game. We have to win it. We were you know, lucky to get David Reese jones on for the build-up. So it felt like things were starting to get a bit more positive. And if we can just get this win, we'll see what happens for the next month or so. And when we lost that and the way we did, where we didn't look like we were going to win it, the awesome. ball movement was poor. And then they just ran over the top of us. I started questioning everything of just why am I putting so much energy into this football club? It's killing my sanity. Why are we doing a podcast? What are we... What are we doing all of this for? What is this leading to? That was my real just questioning life, really, at that stage. Where I think the other one, the Essendon loss, was just a oh well, it's just more realization of, yeah, this is this is bad. But I felt like I'd already mm. lost my mind, all my sanity previously, so it maybe didn't hit me as bad. Yeah. And yeah, you touched on the Adelaide one. I didn't have that written down. I just had the Sydney and Essendon loss, but I almost forgot about the Adelaide game. It feels that like is, forever ago. It's probably the first game of football that it's been on, but I started doing something else while watching because I just didn't want to watch it. I put Ted Lasso on in the background because I just couldn't put my energy into watching the football. It was just hurting me too much watching how bad that was. But yeah, I think the best part about reflecting on the worst moments is that it feels like we've well and truly overcome the demons that were there throughout that mid part of the season.
1: Yeah. Well said. Yeah. The Adelaide one was just so strange. Like I've, yeah, it felt like we didn't touch the ball Mm. that entire first quarter. And like, it was our defense. Like the thing that we've always put our hat on that just absolutely got capitulated. Mm. So yeah. And yeah, all these bad moments are from months and months ago. So that, Mm. that feels good we'll get back to some positives
0: we love this has been a bit of a mainstay on the review show the last few years and it's one of my favorites it's the biggest surprise of the year because this could be Mm. absolutely anything this could be team result related it could be an individual Mm -hmm. player it could be anything so i'm very keen to hear the listeners thoughts on this to see where they go and very keen to hear what you have Lockie, as your biggest surprise of 2023
1: I'll give my honourable mention to the turnaround from round 14. Yeah. I think because <laughs> I don't want to give myself and ask too big a pat on the back. But if you go back and listen to our mid-season, we were a little, we showed some optimism. Mm. We thought that we were going to win more games than we would lose in the back half and that kind of thing. So I'm not going to put that as too big of a surprise. Mm. For me, I think it's, I don't know how to title this. But I think it's the players that have come from nowhere. And it's just so great listening back to the things we were saying where I was like, I just don't see I said like I'll be extremely surprised if Kemp mm. like shows anything this year. Like I feel like where how is he gonna get an opportunity? And obviously he did. Cunningham coming back and being a mainstay, Fogg. Don't think we've probably even discussed him in the preseason. Um Chinkotta as well like from mm. nowhere basically like we were talking when Zach Williams was injured we were like who's going to play back like what could we possibly do yeah, like we didn't even kind of think mm. about so yeah very surprised that the players have come from nowhere to be best between two mm. locks basically well I'll have nothing
0: else to add because those were the two big surprises I Sorry had the obvious one being the second why half do we even season. do this show together I don't know. Can we just form into just one this. human being and, and just let that go, please, finally? Um, but, yeah, the second half of the season comeback, I like that you bring up the mid-season review because it's it's why we do it because it's then another piece that we can reflect on end of season. And both of us were very yeah. much of the thoughting thought process of, look, there's still a long way to go. Anything can happen. Let's not just completely yeah. write this season off, particularly when – talking about Voss and sacking coaches, it was let mm. more games play out. We don't know what could happen, yeah. so let's just judge the season as a whole. Obviously, we're there to review that what had happened at that stage. That's sort of part of the caper, what we decide to do. So we had to look at that. And <laughs> while well, I think some people I've sort of listened to in the reflection of the season, they are talking about like, well, what, why are we even bothering um, talking about, who are we going to trade at the end of the season? What list changes yep. we're going to make, and all of this? What a ridiculous thing to do mid season! But like, I think they're missing the point of why you do these exercises. It's another reflection thing. It is, and we've done this mm. every single season, whether it was good or bad. In yep. well, what do we like at the moment? Where do our players sit? What changes do you think need to be made, and what needs to happen by the end of the season for either the players that are looking? Like they may be traded at the end of the season to hold on to their spots, and maybe we have a player right now in our list that can take that step. And take you know, we might be needing a, I'm just throwing out a position that we've already got anyway, but we maybe we needed mm. a key forward. And someone steps up in the second half of the season, and now you'd no That's longer bad. have to look for that at the end of the year. So I don't think it was us trying to fix all the problems right then and there. We knew that there was. Definitely a lot to still be played, but it's just a fun exercise. And that's that's what this yeah. fun thing is. And and on that, my other one was, yeah, the, just I just wrote Alex Chincotta, Lockie Fogarty, Brody Kemp, because those are players yeah. like Chincotta comes in. We're not expecting a lot. Maybe he can play a handful of games. For him to basically be best 22 by the end of the year, playing in finals, standing up in big moments, never would have expected that. Lockie no. Fogarty... Didn't see him at all getting a look in for a game, let alone again being another best 22 style player. It's ridiculous. Didn't see it being as a small forward. And then Brody Kemp was just another where what's his development like? Are we going to see a year where he plays strongly in the VFL and then next yeah. year, 2024's is the, the year he breaks through or? Or is he going to be another one of our you know, high draft picks that just don't come on and we're looking at maybe moving them on in the next couple of years? But for him again, I know he didn't play in that last game, but played for majority of the year and was exceptional. Another mainstay of yeah. our back seven that we've loved so much this season. It's just been huge to see those players come from nowhere. It's been
1: ridiculous. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, and I'm throwing Cunningham in there as well because mm. – in the preseason, like, we knew that Walsh was going to miss the first month of the season. We're like, who can play in that midfield? Mm. And we're like, that was still the stage where it's like, is Cunningham still alive? No one has heard <laughs> a thing from this man. Like, we'd basically all just assume that he was done. Mm. And he's back. He's back. And now he's um, back. <laughs> and then I guess, and then I also had, like, the rejuvenated guys too, who aren't as, as surprising, but I guess you can still put them in this category. Like, Gov, we were both bullish on preseason but i don't think we were confident that he would stay healthy well like mm. if he stays healthy he'll be really good um and then marchie as well mm. it kind of felt he like, like exactly. does marchie yeah like does he have a spot like where is his place like how does he jump in front of someone mm. and then he proved that he is best 22 in the coach's eyes when they dropped camp so mm. yeah and surprising. and that
0: was a that was one that finally made my best 22 at the start of the year look a little less stupid because I, yeah, the big I was thing up, that yeah. I was getting bullied all year for, and rightfully so, I didn't have Nick Newman in my best 22. I chose Marchbank over him. So I'm happy at least for Marchy for him to kind of prove me right in that having him in my best 22 wasn't ridiculous, but yeah. who I was omitting him for definitely was in the end, but let's keep going with the positives. <laughs> What were your other kind of key positives that you can take out of 2023? Things you want to touch on, things you want to mention that worked really well for us could be literally anything.
1: I know. And this is the one that I've written down the least for because there's so many things that I thought would just come to my Mm. mind. But when I was having just a little play around, I think something that I noticed was since the Essendon game, the St Kilda game is the only game where we kicked more behinds than goals Mm. i think that's a positive because looking back at some of our horrible games this year it was like we kicked six goals 16 against Essendon, 6 8 against melbourne 6 15 against sydney 7 15 against collingwood like our kicking was just absolutely shooting us in the foot um and then when you look at these games it's like melbourne were inaccurate sydney were inaccurate in the finals like now we're the ones taking our opportunities how many times have you and I said in a loss mm. we didn't take our opportunities that we had?
0: Oh, far too often. And that's what we it's did in the back were: We would have won that game if we kicked those goals, which is so stupid, yep. but we, we had the opportunities. We never seemed to take them. Or when we were on top, we didn't give ourselves enough of a lead. And then the next quarter, the opposition turned it on and we were just gone.
1: Yep. Exactly. So,
0: I think that's a big one, particularly in the finals. It felt as if most... Of our games, sort of the three, we really, when someone needed to step up, when we needed a goal, particularly in that Sydney game, when Sydney all of a sudden started to get on top of us, when yep. Melbourne would get out to a tiny bit of a lead, you needed a goal from somewhere, we just seemed to find a way. And we took our set shots, we took those moments. So I think that's a big thing. That is a big step forward, whether that's creating better opportunities in front of goal or just having yeah. a bit more confidence and in, a, in the, our own ability to take them, it's it's been a massive improvement. I think it it is. And yep. I had a couple, one we've sort of just touched on, but it was the rise of the role players and probably more not only yeah, just I that know. and the guys that we've already mentioned, but our like lack less of reliance on our top stars to drive what gets us wins and it be a bit more of mm-hmm. an actual 22, 23 players collective that is winning us these games of football. And that's a big part of what those role players have been able to do and everyone really buying in. So that was my big positive. And then the other one is, yep. other Good key one, is just now we've got finals experience into this list. Yeah, great. It, right? it felt like that was something that was so big at the end of last year. We hadn't had these big moments of, do we, do we have what it takes when the pressure's there when you have to win, it felt like we would bottle it. It was just, it's Carlton. The lead's not big enough here. Carlton are going to bottle this. We need to be up by 100 Mm. points for us to feel confident about winning a game of football. And then in the back half of this season, just to make finals, we definitely had those moments of steel where we just, we we clung on, we did whatever it took to make sure that we came away with the four points. And then now to do that in finals, Not only just be there and experience it, but now to get those wins, it's just, it's massive. We even spoke about it in our loss to Brisbane, that it felt like that was a bit of the difference in why we maybe weren't able to make the grand final. Mm. At some stage, we maybe didn't have all the experience and now it's growing. And it gives me so much more confidence that you sometimes need to make finals and then the next year go on to get it done. feels like that's a massive cliche, but now that we have that, I just think that's going to propel us so much more next year.
1: Yeah, totally. L- listening back to like us talking before this season and I don't know, we were like, I, again, I'm surprised with some of uh, some of the things that we were saying, like we were kind of weirdly confident that like, mm. yeah, those games at the end of the season were like finals. Um and I guess you can kind of say that in hindsight, but we really didn't have any evidence at the start mm. of this season that we were going to be able to hold on to leads and that kind of thing, which has been like, yeah, kind of a headline of the last couple of months. So yeah.
0: Mm. Oh well, well, that was not before I, I throw back to you to get yours, you kind of just stumbled mm. across my last one, which was I think we spoke so much at the start of the year, everything was on hope. I'll hope mm-hmm. we can improve. We, we didn't get it done last year. There's no evidence that that means we'll all of a sudden improve next season. But there was, I guess, just that hope that we will learn from the heartache and that will spur the boys on. We've been in that moment and the experience that you gain from now understanding what you needed to do is going to allow us mm. to play finals next year and it kind of didn't pan out that way at the start of the season. We start to maybe not have the greatest wins of all time. Mm -hmm. And then we have that massive form slump. But now you look at the back end of this season, it's no longer this. I hope that we're going to go on next year because of what we've seen. It's uh, you believe it. It's more than hope. It's tangible. We've seen what we've been able to do. There's a true belief that we can go on and do it. I, for the first time ever actually believe that we can win a flag with this group. Like you say it previously because you think we can, but now I'm looking at it going like we can can do it. We've beaten almost every single team in this competition. The only one we haven't beaten under Vossi is Brisbane. They're the only Mm -hmm. team we haven't beaten. We've shown we're good enough that we can match the best that we've beaten Collingwood at one stage this year. I know it wasn't in a final and they go on to win it. Well done to them. But when you – Beat these contenders when you show you can match it with them. You've got the midfield. You've got the forwards. You've got the defense. The game style seems to be there. It just feels like there's only small improvements now, and it's no longer hope. It is belief. That was my massive positive now. I don't have to just sit here and say, gee, Carlton might do it next year. Look at the evidence. It's there now. We can go on.
1: (laughs) Great. The expectations are (laughs) even higher now, so we can just... Grand final or bust. Even more disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Premiership or bust. Oh, mm. that's going to be asked in five months. Can't wait. Is,
0: but but what were your other positives? Do you have anything uh, else that you wanted to to mention?
1: I think I think you've done such a good job there. I didn't have anything else written down. Um, yeah, like it's so hard, and we'll see this in the next question because mm. I found it really hard to think of negatives.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, let's go straight into it. It is our negatives, or as we like to say it on this podcast, the areas (laughs) for improvements for 2024.
1: That's that's great, yeah.
0: It's a nice way of saying it because we try to be glass half full on this thing. And the whole point of the review is to be balanced and to not only just look at what went well, but look at what didn't go right and how we can use that to, like we were talking about at the end of last year, propel us Mm -hmm. onto a better year, in the next season. So what do we need to do? Yeah. Where are the areas that we need to fix for us to win the flag in 2024?
1: <sighs> I wasn't really thinking about the actual games themselves with this yeah. question. So I, I need you to help me come to a, come, like help me get to a good response to this. Because I'm like, do we want to be more consistent next season? In terms of when we look back at, you know, when we look at next season in terms of how we perform throughout the season, do we want to be more consistent? Because we look at this year and the teams that started well and faded away, like Mm. your Ports and Saints and Essendon, and then the teams that like peaked at the right time. And then maybe people will say, well, maybe we, it looked like Carlton still peaked a little early. Like we got a bit burnt out throughout the end of the season. Give me some clarity on everything I put out Mm. there do you think that's a thing like do we is that something that like do we want to strive to be more consistent with our wins throughout next season or should we be again not saying that we were trying to do this Mm. but should we be trying to peak at the right time it's a really good
0: point that you bring up I think there definitely is a massive, massive part of you need to peak at the right time in the season. You need to be... Mm. We spoke about it a bit at the start of this year when our form wasn't amazing, but we're still getting wins in this this whole building into the season was what everyone was talking about. And again, that was very hopeful because we weren't playing well, was (laughs) okay, we're building into this season, even though there weren't signs of it. But I do agree that... You need to bank some wins early, definitely, but you do need yes. to make sure that your best football is later in the season. I, I think where I probably sit with this discussion is maybe in the more consistent way of it, In we just need to make sure that we are banking more wins early in the season. And that we don't necessarily need to be playing yeah. our best football, but like one of my big areas for improvement was that we need to finish top four, we need to be getting, making sure that we secure that home prelim. You saw how much that is an ideal when we have to go over to Brisbane to try and make the grand final. And there was so much more of the second half of that year when every single game for the last 10 rounds was a must win. And the toll that that takes out of you emotionally, physically, every part of that, I think if we end up being a bit more consistent at the start of the year and are able Mm. to just, get a few more wins, then you're not having to expend all your energy. And I I think that that goes in the way of peaking at the right time because you're able to rest guys a little bit, manage their bodies throughout the whole 24 rounds rather than just having to get everyone there in the last few rounds. So I think that will go a long way. There is an element definitely of peaking at the right stage, but we just need to be, I think, a little bit more consistent earlier. So we're not having to rely on winning in yeah. the last round again because you need top four. That is so clear now that, yeah, why no one wins grand finals outside of the top four, having to win every single final, not yeah, getting true. the rest. It's it's brutal stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you kind of slipped it in like being finishing top two and having it at home, being the home team would be great, mm. but just being in Melbourne would it would be enough for me like yeah. we can finish top four and just if we just don't have to go up there again next year mm. or you know i don't know a Port adelaide gonna mm. be better next year um yeah if we can at least play all our finals in melbourne that would be uh, mm. a really good goal i think
0: mm. and i think something else that maybe goes a bit more towards the consistency which is hard to ask for but because mm-hmm. I think we did it in a few of the games, but there was still far too many close calls. I think if you look back at this season, oh, totally. far too many of our games margin-wise, way too close. And I think that goes again towards yep. us being so beaten up by the end of this season when we're having to, particularly in those finals games, beat Sydney by six points, beat Melbourne by like a point. It's two points. Yep. All of a sudden, you're having to play the full game out to the final seconds, and that just you see why teams like Brisbane after beating Port pretty easily, getting a week off, why they looked so fresh running out that Mm -hmm. game of football. I I think that goes a long way. And and maybe you get some injury luck because you're not having to play every single game. Like it's an elimination final. Maybe we're not getting so many niggles late in the season. I think that's another thing. Uh, What else was your kind of areas that you were looking at?
1: Yeah, I, I know I was, so much more of like an improvement mindset Mm. rather than like what didn't go well. Like I think a real positive thing is that looking down our list, I think there's more players that we think will improve Mm. than regress. There's not that many players where you'd be confident that they're going to take a step back next year Mm. in terms of like their age, you know, their bodies, that kind of thing. Like that—that that feels like just such a positive thing for us. That so much of this team is still really young; they just need to play more footy. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing—I don't know if we're going to cover this in the predictions, but like you were forced to say how many games our rookies would play, which you almost nailed. Did you? Hear, did you listen? To oh, that, I
0: didn't. I didn't go back on that. I just had what was on the run sheet. So feel free yeah, to, okay. if you've got that in front of you, let me know because yeah. that's exciting.
1: You said you said Lemian Binzi would not play. You said big. Cowan would play six games. He played seven. Oh, big. And then for Hollands, you said 10. And I can't... Let me see how many he played. It would have been more than 10. But, Definitely more than 10. You know, pretty good. Pretty good. So, like, there's just an obvious thing. Like, all these young guys just getting more games into them. They're just going to get better. Gee, had Tell 19 games, which is big from Ollie Holland's
0: person, with an injury as well, which is yeah. definitely big. I, I thought that he had the potential to become one of our better teams, better teams, better players in the team, getting that role, yeah. nailing down the wing. But I think I was just hopeful in a way that someone else would have stepped up. So we didn't need an 18-year-old. And I was gonna maybe yeah, mention this totally. in the brisbane review i ended up not doing it because I, I didn't think i mm. had the argument <sighs> done enough well enough in my head i still probably don't right. but my kind of discussion point i think around it makes sense in it what if, to use him as an example not to necessarily say that ollie holland's was at fault or the reason we didn't make the grand final because i still think he played really well against brisbane but me too I think for us to be a team that makes a grand final, you shouldn't be having to rely on an 18 year old in your team, unless they're, you know, at the quality of what uh, Dacos was in his first year or Ashcroft in his first year. And yep. that's not to say anything bad about Ollie Hollands, but I still, when he gets the ball in hand in those high pressure moments, you still kind of expect him to make a bit of a mistake. He's still not the polished article. And you kind of hope with our development, that Mm. crunch time, we're not relying on inexperience. We've got someone else that can take that step. So I think that's maybe another area that obviously he's going to have another season. He's now got the finals experience, which is great. I think that's something to hopefully catapult us a little bit next year where we're probably now not relying on these really young guys in a spot in our team because everything else is nailed down. And I thought that that was maybe one little part that when I'm looking at all the other teams out there that are, making grand finals and winning them. I don't know mm. how many have a couple of 18 year olds running around. So it'd be interesting to know anyway.
1: Totally hundred percent. Right. Um, and just to, I guess, round it out. Cause I was saying, you know, a lot of players can improve and not many will mm. regress. Like Newman's the only guy now over the age of 30. That's insane. And he had his, the best season of his career. Um, Dockett is the second oldest. Why couldn't mm. he have just as good a mm. season next year as he, this year? And then Saad's the third oldest. I, like, like it's bizarre. Yeah. The, the, the list profile, which I know is one of your favorite things, it just feels like it's entering mm. just such a perfect stretch mm. for these next couple. I think it is. And I think that the guys you're
0: mentioning there have stepped up incredibly over the last couple of seasons in being the leaders that you hope, they were going to be and now they've hit that kind of age profile that you just naturally go towards them as being your senior players senior leaders they're mm. doing all the right things so it's it's yeah. it's super positive and i think my other kind of areas for improvement or things that need to go right i think we one yeah. we just need a bit more maybe injury in the luck a little bit more luck in the injury front is what i'm trying to say there mm. uh because you have you're always going to get injuries but You lose a guy like Zach Williams in preseason, that's ridiculously tough. Can we go one preseason without one of our top players getting injured and missing the season? Seems like that's something we cop every single year. And we also had Walsh missing all the preseason with his back injury. Late in the season, you have Cripps, Doc, Acres, clearly battling while playing. And then in that back half where we needed to win every single game, you had Walsh, Chera, Harry, Silvani, Kennedy, Durden, all missing time through injury mm. and other guys that are, I guess, always injured in a sense in Marchbank, Cunningham, Martin. They've all had those issues. We can get most of these guys fit for the whole of the year. What's that mm. going to mean? All of a sudden, Marchbank's peaking late in the year. If he gets a full season, who knows what he can do? Cunningham with a full season. Yeah. Martin, if he plays every single game, will such a better football team with him in that forward line. It's you true. just can't have your best players missing so much football, particularly late when you're trying to peak and and get your best football playing. So I think a bit more luck on that front would would go a massive, massive way for us.
1: Yeah, well said. I think it's hard for me to remember like it's hard it's hard to think back to these times. I felt like the injuries were better this year than they had been in recent years. Not perfect. Ooh, but I don't know it felt know but it, it, <laughs> it just felt like in twenty twenty two. Those like when we, you know, obviously it felt like we'd made finals and we lost four or five Mm. in a row. It felt like everyone we were just dropping like flies at that stage. Whereas this year, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not it's not as big a negative for me. It's a massive like area to improve. Mm. Like if we just stay fully healthy, like we're gonna win the flag. Um, Mm. yeah, I don't know. But it it, but I guess the way I'd put it is in our previews, we were talking about Andrew Russell, Mm. and we were both like, oh fair chance he'll be gone at the end of the season. I'm definitely not thinking about that right now. Mm. Yeah. And and that's kind of, we've always had this discussion
0: around, look, we don't understand his job enough to know if yeah. he's the problem or what the problem seems to be. But if every single season we're having so many injuries, the buck's got to fall somewhere and you have to start pointing fingers. Yeah, And this season, it really felt like injuries weren't, his kind of issue. Like you look at sure. it, you know, Walsh, Chera, Harry, Silvani, Kennedy, those kind of injuries, those guys that got injured, it's kind of just unlucky. Like yeah, none of those like really felt. Maybe Chera, slightly when he comes back, does his hamstring again, but they pass yeah. the fitness test. Sometimes things just happen more just the Marchbank, Cunningham, Martin. They're the yeah, guys yeah. that are always injured. I'm no longer yeah, going to blame anyone for those because sometimes. <laughs> yeah, Sometimes what's broke just stays broke, which I know is a really harsh saying, but nah. it's kind of where I'm sitting. I think the the one thing I'll argue against your point of last season, it felt as if everyone was dropping like flies, particularly yeah. in our midfield. felt like that just happened a few rounds earlier this year because we had mm. no Walsh, no Chera, no Kennedy at Sorry. one stage this season, and we are going, well, shit, we've lost our midfield again, but we we're just able to step up. And probably play yeah. a lot better football. Doherty went into there again, and we had just maybe better all-round players, all-round better system to get us over the line. And then they came back to play yeah. finals, which was probably the plus. But yeah, just True. can we just not have any games next season where we're going shit? Who's playing in midfield because we're all injured? That'd be nice. That
1: but, would be really nice. <laughs> yeah, the wins, the wins mask everything. Hundred percent. And
0: yeah, the last couple are literally just a couple of game style things that I don't think need too much analysis, but I think ball movement and our transition game still clearly need some sort of work. I think Zach Williams helps that a lot from defense. Felt like Mm -hmm. in that Brisbane game, we just really struggled to move the ball, get our hands on it and create better opportunities inside 50. And then just that mid forward connection is still a bit of a issue. I think that high <laughs> half forward role. Definitely. It's something that's been on our sort of trade target list every single season since we started the podcast. Looked mm. like sack Fisher had solved that problem last year. Now he maybe hasn't with another season progressing but yeah. it's kind of that that other area because I think going into the season I was looking at Smalls needing to step up and kick goals but yep. then you got Matty always kicking 27 Motlop 24 martin 17 i guess sylvani if you want to throw him into it kicking 14 durden in his limited games kicking 11 you've got a bit more contribution from those smalls that could just take another step up with everything else working as a whole i think that is going to be the thing that takes us to the next level next year
1: yeah it's a good one i'm excited Mm. to see who you got your eyes on to fill that
0: role (laughs) It's going to be exciting. Very keen for the off-season content. Uh, but let still do a bit of a stat comparison. Yeah. Let's look at all this. We did this at the midway point. So I'm keen to, to get a few cool. of the key stats up, draw whatever conclusions we like from them. We're going to be comparing stats from the end of last season. So everything for the whole year. Midway point this year when we were garbage. And then finally <laughs> at the end here. So if you're listening in podcast form, I'm going to try and make this as easy as possible, but they're going to be flashing on screen on YouTube. So if you get a little bit lost, feel free to head over on YouTube and and watch this so you can make it all make sense. But this is the first one here. So looking at the wins last year, it was 12. This year it was 13. And this is the regular season, not looking at finals, just looking at the regular season. So obviously we got the extra win to get us finals, plus the draw as well. Um and the percentage was probably the big thing that I liked that changed. It was 108 at the mm-hmm. end of last season, midway the point this year, 98, which is horrific. to turn that around and get the 98 to 113, I think is massive and shows just how important that is. And yeah, last year ninth, midway point when we did this midseason review we were 15th now to be fifth. I think that just shows you the massive turnaround. From last year, taking that little step forward, but then just what was going wrong at the mid-season this year, it's it's been a ridiculous turnaround.
1: (laughs) It's crazy to think how similar, though, last year was to this year in terms of the regular season, just at the result. Like, Mm. yeah, it just feels so different. (laughs) God, crazy. It's
0: been wild. One more win, one more draw, and then, yeah, midway Yeah. midway point to the end, we lost one game. We technically lost... Two games, if you look at the totality of it, from
1: the Insane. mid-season
0: review. That is ridiculous. Um, we'll go yes, into hopefully. some much clearer stats here. So got a few, um, which kind of show a little bit here. Disposals, we were second in the comp at the end of last year. Second midway point this year. Fourth by the end. I think that that's really interesting, showing you that it kind of – we're playing such hmm. a possessive, slow brand of football – when we had heaps of it, but we weren't doing a lot with it, that sometimes the disposals does not equate to you being a better team. Sometimes it's about what you do with it. And I think that shows that here because kicks again, second at the end of last year, first midway point, drops down to third. We were for kicks. Um, and similarly with, I guess, handballs kind of dropping down the whole way fourth to third to then fifth. Again, it's just, it doesn't, and, and But the kick-to-handball ratio kind of staying the same shows that we're maybe playing similar-ish, um, but just using it better when we were going with it. And then, interestingly, mm. this is almost a bizarre thing for me, looking at the contested and the uncontested stats. Contested ball last year, we were second. End of this year, we were third. But midway point, we were down to sixth, which shows you just what it means to get your hands on the football first in the contested part of the game, that that is clearly such a big, vital thing, Um, whereas the uncontested midway point of the season will first drop that down to fifth, and all of a sudden we're playing good football. Do you you draw any conclusions
1: on those stats? (laughs) Uh, I personally don't. The the wildest thing to me here is that we were first in uncontested possessions the first Mm. half of this year. That doesn't really make sense to me. Mm.
0: It's because all we were doing, if you if you do recall, was marking it in the defensive half and just chipping mm. it around to no one. We, we yeah, had so slow, stagnant, and just holding the ball up. And we weren't winning the contested ball. The only thing we are winning was these short chip kicks to each other that did absolutely nothing. I think really mm. what I'm kind of seeing is the importance of the contested possessions, but then also that kind of the stats and leading them doesn't necessarily matter. It's kind of... The no. quality that you don't get, which is the exciting thing for someone like myself that loves to delve into the statistics side of things. But sometimes mm. for the generic stats, they don't maybe show you as much as you think they should. Um, then judging to the next bit, this is probably where we can probably improve. When you look at center clearances, our bread and butter, we had a bad bad start this season because the end of last year we ranked seventh midway point this season we were 18th turn that around to 15th that is really the improvement area i think for us heading into next season gotta win to yeah. the city clearances it's our best place we score from it's what we do best it was a big turnaround to get it from 18th to 15th in the first place but that needs to be higher and i think we're winning a lot more games yeah. of footy is that alarming to see where that sits right now
1: it is. It's surprising, I think. Mm. It's surprising considering, uh, I guess, what I feel like the rhetoric is around the team. Mm.
0: I think so. And then stoppage clearances is is sort of a lot better. It went ninth last year to fifth this year. Big step up there. So we're clearly doing a bit more around the ground, which I would agree with. I feel we're a bit more well-rounded this season mm-hmm. compared to last. Marks, pretty similar from seventh and then midway point first, because we were just, again, that was that short chip, kicking, marking, game style, doing nothing, drop it down to fifth, all of a sudden taking the game on, playing better football. I think Mm. marks inside 50 is probably somewhere we can still improve. It's 10th at the end of this season. Get the ball in there. Get some more marks. We've got two of the best key forwards. If we can get that into the top eight, as far as the stats go, I think you're winning more games of football. And the one I really don't enjoy is seeing the tackles inside 50 here because last season it was a big thing. Fifth, midway point, it was 14th. And we know that that defensive pressure in our forward line was struggling and only got it up to 12th. So it did lift clearly, but overall, (sighs) we need to be turning the ball over a lot more in our forward half. Sometimes these stats are flawed in, well, what were the opportunities to lay those tackles? Because we score so much from center clearances, we're not really Allowing the ball to drop as much inside fifty, so it can be flawed in in that sense. Like I'd love to per inside fifty that you know wasn't a direct mark. Find out what your tackles are from that stat, because that kind of is a way that shows you when the ball hits the ground inside 50, how many times you're tackling it rather than just how many times you've been able to get the ball in Mm. and lay a tackle. I think that's where the quality stats come into it. But thanks, champion data. You don't give me (laughs) anything. So I have nothing. So I have nothing to go off in that sense, but for able to lock the ball in our forward line more, I think that's a big thing. There's still probably too many times this season. Oppositions move the ball out of our D 50 a little easily. I thought in the Sydney game when they got on top and particularly Melbourne, they just a couple of kicks and they were out of our D50 and all of a sudden the pressure's on our defense to try and make a stop. So I think that can be something that Mm. is improved next season. But overall, I I think that the stats are pretty positive. It's probably just, yeah, more center clearances, more tackles inside 50 and get a few more marks Mm. would be ideal
1: looking at the base level stats there. Do you have much of a feel on the centre clearances one? Like, does that feel like a Ruckman thing? Is that about, you know, is that the mids underperforming to, like, what we expect from them? Mm. It's it's just so surprising considering you, you'd you feel like the guys that we have in there, like, yeah. That it's are a strange...
0: It's a strange one. When you actually look at who won the most, Port, this is not taking finals into it because I think that's unfair. More teams have played more games Mm. and the game style differs. But Port Mm. were number one, Brisbane number two, Hawthorne third, Adelaide, then Essendon, then Melbourne, Gold Coast, Collingwood are the top eight. So you have teams that went deep like GWS were 10th, Sydney 11th, we were 15th, St Kilda 17th. So it's an odd one when looking Hmm. at center clearances, saying, well, it doesn't just equate to you in center clearances, all of a sudden you are the best team in the competition. For sure. What's positive is that when we win them, we seem to score. So is this an area of what happens when we don't win it? Are we leaking Hmm. too many scores the other way? How can we make sure that we win more of these? I think Ruck is probably a bit of one of those areas where, Mm. It doesn't seem to be something we've completely nailed on our Ruck combination. <laughs> There's still a bit of question mark on what's the best mix. Do we still need to bring anyone in to that? I mm. think as well, just getting your best personnel out there for the full season plays a big role. I don't want Walshie. I don't want Terra, yep. I don't want guys like Kennedy missing large chunks of chunks of the game. And maybe, maybe we need a bit more of a dynamic player in there as well. <laughs> that some have called for in the off-season. Yep, exactly right. But let's go into revisiting the predictions. This is the fun part where we get to see if we are Nostradamus-like geniuses or (sighs) whether we should cancel the podcast because we have no idea what we're talking about. But we'll start with the (laughs) spiciest. We'll start with the spiciest, our favorite one, the hot takes, because this is where we have to. We can't sit on the fence. We can't make any... Shit predictions. They've got to be big. They've got to be bold. Lockie, do you have yours written down or would you like me to go through some of your hot takes this preseason?
1: Take it away. And I remember they weren't that that spicy either, either of us.
0: It was one of those seasons where both of us were struggling to get the spiciness up because we felt like everything was possible. Felt like it could happen.
1: Nothing's hot. Your
0: big one was that Bad. we would have the most players in the All-Australian 44-band squad. Correct. You threw in players like Cripps, Walsh, Saad, Mackay, Weedering, and the Smoky of Motlop. How many of those ended up making Yikes.
1: the squad lucky? It was three. Yeah, not
0: enough, unfortunately. But <sighs> isn't it interesting when you look at the reflection of last year, I think we had five that actually made the All-Australian team. Or at least a squad, one of the two. How all of a sudden we drop in superstar individual players, and we are a better mm. team. Do you do you read anything into that?
1: I'm not sure I do, but I was having a bit of a sniff around. How many we because we did our um, you know, our 2013 versus 2023 combined team episode. Yeah. How many all Australian players do you think we had in the squad in that year? In which year? Sorry. 2013. Oh, 2013. Gee, it probably
0: wouldn't be a, a, two. Zero players. Wow. Wow. So well, we I did know. finish ninth, technically. So we did. It wasn't the greatest surprised. year. That's bizarre. You'd think he would maybe get one or two. With the yeah.
1: caliber of players we had running around there. Because you feel, I don't know, you just feel like there's quite a strong correlation. You feel like the best teams will have, you know, the four Somewhat. or five, and it kind of goes down like that. But mm. yeah. So I don't that know.
0: didn't work out that way. But I think there is something in the fact that all of a sudden the individuals maybe didn't have their flashiest years. But sure. because that's we played a lot more as a team, everyone was able to be elevated and we won more. But I, that's probably that next step where you, you make top four, you have a good whole season. I think that start of the yep. season cost weedering the All-Australian, and maybe a few others. Get the mm-hmm, full mm-hmm. 24 rounds of consistent solid football and you'll see that number jump up. Your other one, fortunately, yeah. was that Carlton win the flag. Very spicy. Love the boldness. Sorry. But
1: maybe that's going to be the one that we roll back next year. Oh, I 100% am rolling that back. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Now, I I was someone that threw almost everything at the wall to see what would Quantity over quality. Yeah. My first one was All Australian, which... Judging off his last year's form, both of us were almost saying, "Look, if he plays every game next season, yeah, on on form, all Australian <laughs> lock." But it seems like he played every single game. Didn't maybe take his his game to that level, but still a decent season from Gov. Real bold half fence sitting take from me was one of Gov slash Marshbank. No, not to be one. on the list by the end of the year. I just thought that both both won't survive. One. The one who isn't fit will make way because I didn't believe both would be fit. So that is kudos to both of them. The Gov played just about every game and that Mm -hmm. Marchbank got his body right just when it matters and played a big role for us in finals. Both will be on the list next year. (sighs) A bit stiff on this man. Blake Akers to make the All-Australian 44-man squad. not sure
1: what's stiff about that.
0: I'll tell you what. Wins just about the best finals player for what he was able to do it's this true. season. So maybe that's one that we run back. The man that was very hyped this preseason was Jesse Motlop. Said he'd be the third yeah. highest goal kicker. He was the fourth. So Close. And he only, only missed out by three goals, which is very, very stiff. And he did miss <laughs> some footy there. So I reckon... You're going to pay that one now. By that game, I might tick that one on my sheet. You probably won't on yours. (laughs) Fair enough. But on my sheet in front of me, that's a tick. That is a tick. Um, Asterix. I I had
1: Jesse as my third highest goal scorer, too. So happy for you to tick it.
0: I'll save this as my my best prediction. Even though we don't know the result just yet, I reckon you can tick this one prematurely. Adam Chera to finish top three in the BNF. I was very high. On him As soon as we go, like, basically, my players to watch this year, I had Adam Chera. I had him there just in this. We obviously know he's a good footballer, but mm. I thought this would be the year he goes from your B-grade midfielder to the elite, one of the game's best, and I think he can kind of tick that. I thought he was our
1: probably one of our best midfielders all season. And he came 10th last season, so mm. that's a pretty good one from you. <laughs> I like it. Um, I love- I'm, I'm happy with that
0: all players to watch let me know what you think you had one for mitch mcgovern i know i went big on him for the all australian are you happy to give that one a tick for a big season
1: yeah i mean he definitely i I think i remember saying like we as carlton people knew what he could be if Mm. he gets healthy but he didn't have any kind of respect from the afl community and i feel like he would have got some of that Mm. some more of that respect this season
0: He's definitely number two behind Jacob Wiedering, which it's a tough yeah, feat exactly. to, to beat Jacob Wiedering out for the number one spot. So for him to now be our second best key defender, I think it's massive. So I, I agree with yeah. that one. Love this from you, your players to watch. Tom DeConing was one who he has <sighs> had a ridiculous season, Lockie. That is that is almost two ticks, because yeah. midway point of this year. We were still not convinced out of contract looked funny? like he was headed somewhere else and we were thinking if the squad and the team is as bad as it is right now come the end of the year we may just have to move him on to bring in some sort of draft capital to fix what the mess looked like not only do yeah. we not need to fix the mess but we don't have to worry because old mates re-signed and ended up playing some electric <laughs> football to end the season what did you make of De year?
1: Yeah of course I mean we were just kind of riding on flashiness at the start of the year. Mm. And then it was kind of an inconsistent first half of the year. And then, yeah, he's our man now. Mm. And then your other big one was Jesse Motlop, most hyped
0: preseason player. Uh, What does he think of Jesse Motlop's
1: year? It's a really interesting question. Uh, I mean, got to remember his age. It's, it's interesting that he was so hyped. I, oh. I, as I was listening back to the predictions, because I remember everyone in the Carl community yeah. being like, nobody else will be more improved <laughs> than Motlop this year. There's just no chance it's anyone. Um, I don't know where that kind of came from. Mm. Maybe a strong end to last year. Um, it was that. Yeah. I, I think- mean that, His last game against Collingwood, he had those few goals out of nowhere. Yeah, that would have been
0: it. He, had, he had that spark to him. that just looked like he was ready to explode.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. So he's, you know, he went kicking more than a goal a game. Like, you know, I think he definitely gets a pass for for this season, knowing that he's just going to get better and better.
0: No, I do agree. I'm just trying to get his stats up for last season to see how many he yeah. kicked. You see, I think he, think he kicked twelve last year. Rolling that yep. into twenty four, I think is a is a big jump. Missed a bit of football for sure. and. I think we probably all went maybe one season too early on a Jesse Motlop. I think, again, back half of this year, looked really impressive in that play that when you need a goal, he gets one seemingly out of nowhere. And it felt like we were all kind of hoping he'd take that step being a bit more of that half-forward, maybe pinch-hitting midfield kind of play I think that's still something that it seems the coaches are very high on talking about his running capacity, that this isn't something that he could do in a few years. I reckon it, it maybe didn't have the step we were all expecting, but it, it was definitely a positive improvement for Jesse Motlop. And he's not even 20. It, oh, he's going to be like, such what? a special player, this guy.
1: Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like, it's fair <laughs> that we also hired him, but no, there better not be anyone being harsh on him because <laughs> surely not. so much um, time.
0: I had a couple others. This probably isn't a isn't yeah. a tick. I'll probably wind this back for next year. My man Lockie Cow. And I just I thought he was a bit more ready to go than he mm. probably was. Seeing how he performed in the under-18s, he looks like a guy that could step into AFL football and have a bit of an impact. After really seeing him in a few games of competitive AFL, I think, yeah, he just, just wasn't there at that stage. But He's someone that's definitely building. I'm excited for what he yeah. can become just because he's a bit more versatile than I think some of the other players we have on the list where he's a bit taller, so he can be a bit of an interceptor. He's got some pace about him. He's got the booming shoe as well. There is a lot to like about a lucky cow, and I maybe went a bit too early, pumped the brakes on him a little bit, but I'm happy he got a bit of exposure this year, and he's only going to be better for it going forward. Still very... High hopes on Lockie Cowan, and the other one was um Jordan Boyd, who I prefaced at the stage earlier in the season when we did this. He just got that injury, I think it was a toe or foot injury, something like that. Where Mm -hmm. I thought this guy's gonna have a massive breakout season, then he gets injured, but I thought I'd mention it anyway. And I tell you what, it maybe didn't completely play out the way I thought, but gee. We were clamoring for a Jordan Boyd this season when he ended up getting suspended, and then for him to mm-hmm. play the way he did in that in that prelim. I know. I'm again going to be very
1: high on Jordan Boyd going into next season. He's an exciting player, as you should be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was an awesome performance, and yeah, I like that one too. Mm.
0: Now, looking at an interesting part of our predictions, mm. we always go the under the pump. We we throw up it's a, a few players' one. names and say there's a bit of pressure on this guy to perform this season. And this isn't meant to be a negative. This guy's crap. I want to point out how bad he is. It's a bit of a rev up to say at the start of the year. He's a rev up. He's someone that there's a bit of pressure, but I want him by the end of the year to not be into the under the pump going into the next season. So, Lockie, you had a couple that came to get your thoughts on and see how their season progressed. You've got Jack Martin, who this is almost the Jack Martin under the pump segment, and Jack Silvani. <laughs> Are they still under the pump?
1: Wow, that is such a good question. Is Jack Martin, the man who's always under the pump, going to be under the pump next season? I think he is still going to be under the pump.
0: <laughs> Poor bloke.
1: I'm so sorry, it's Jack. His,
0: it's his segment. It's his segment. You can't take it away from him.
1: I think with, like you said, like what we what we need to do to be better next year, if he mm. drops off. We're mm. fi- we're replacing that position. Like we are so crucial for that role to be a high performer, um, and we need goals. Mm. So stay healthy. I think it's a different under the pump going into this
0: year. It's definitely it was different. very, it was very much. You just need to show me something because you haven't, yes. and. We Now that we have, I think this season he came out and showed what we've been missing with Jack Martin not being in our forward line and how important he is to us playing good football. And now that, now yeah. it just goes to do that again and stay fit for a full season. If you can stay fit, geez, we're going to be a force next next year in 24. It's going to be yeah. insane. And then, yeah, Jack Slavani an interesting one. Yeah, an interesting He's still one, probably borderline best 22. I think what he showed in that patch just before he got injured was, okay, this man's no longer under the pump. He's in our best 22. He's flying. He's perfect. He's the second ruck we always needed. Hasn't played in a long time. Other guys have stepped up in other roles in that forward line. We're Mm. still not sure about the ruck. I don't know if he's best 22. He's still kind of borderline. Resigns, which is big, but yeah, I think there's still some pressure for Sauce to... Yeah. Make this spot his own. Is that is that what you would agree with?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's all about this like definition of under the pump. It, it's going to be a different kind of under the pump again to this year. Because I, I wouldn't mm. be surprised if he's not playing round one just on form, which is definitely different to the start of this year. We were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in there. Mm. So mm, time will tell. It, it's an interesting one. My two <laughs> these guys are no longer under the
0: pump. I had Tom DeConing, who I Ay. just wanted to I wanted to see what we all thought he was because what he was was a couple of flashy marks and maybe a one quarter here or there of some decent ruck taps and it was just put it together and he did the second half of the year. He is now our number one ruckman. Sorry, Pitt, but Tommy boy. (laughs) Brad. When he's in there, we're playing better. Uh, I'm excited. And now he's adding the marks in the forward line and importantly kicking the goals. He seems reliable in front of goal, that Melbourne final. Kicking those two in a few minutes was electric. He's a tick. And then Brody Kemp, my other one, where I wasn't sure what he was. Is he a forward? Is he the defender? Just wanted to see him have a really solid season. I didn't expect it to be in the AFL. Brody Kemp, no longer under the pump. He's a very good footballer. And I'm glad that he has taken that step forward. And now we go a little bit more award season predictions, a little bit more AFL. Um, we've got our ladder prediction. You said we'd finish fourth. I said we'd, we'd finish fifth. Oh, well I'm done, not going um, to be rewarding myself too much in. in that one. Very much around the same ballpark. <laughs> Just very good to see that we were on the higher end of the ladder by the end because those predictions were looking rough, so I tell you what, when we did the mid-season review.
1: <laughs> My really God. good.
0: At oh all, God. our leading goal kicker, we both said Harry would do it because just going <sighs> Charlie's not fun. I know, it was boring. Like, oh, we let's go the reigning Coleman again. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's yep. we might have to spice this up a little bit and go the non-Harry Mackay, Charlie Kerno leading goal kicker. Yeah. I think that I might have to be what we do to spice that one up. But yeah, Charlie again, and to win back-to-back Coleman's is
1: big. Can he do the 3 peak? I was just going to say because at the start of this season, you know, I, even though it was like, yeah, Charlie's the easy answer. I think we both genuinely thought that Harry could do it. Yes. Now that it feels like impossible that it could be anyone but Charlie, that means it's going to. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. <laughs> I'll be. 100%. I'll be running. I'll be running with Harry.
0: <laughs> yes, and then this one we don't have an answer to yet, but I don't think mm. that we are correct in our prediction. It's the John Nichols no, Medal winner. Both of us went, Sam Doherty. Had a really good year. I just think that there's a few totally. definitely ahead of him. in a Charlie, a Newman. I think that there all those guys definitely going to be ahead of a Doc. Uh, but let's go to most in approved. Keen to get our uh, predictions yeah. here because this will be one that we will be awarding between us shortly. We'll try and get through yep. it. I know this pod's going quite long, but you had Jesse Motlop as most improved. Do you agree with that?
1: Definitely not. Definitely not. And then
0: I had I had two. I was fence sitting a little bit for for the sake of, I yeah. thought I had like my more Motlop style was Caleb Marchbank in your these guys kind of going from not really playing, not doing a lot to being a decent player. But my other one, my main one, was Adam Chera from going from B mm-hmm. to elite, which I don't know if he is our most improved. We'll get to that at some stage. But yep. I think my prediction of what I wanted him to do, he definitely did that. I think he was probably our best midfielder all year. So that one was massive. Yep. Uh, this is where we started to get very similar. And you got very annoyed at me. You got annoyed at me for the Sam Doherty <sighs> call. You were almost stormed off the podcast for predicting the same Brownlow medalist. We both went True. to Camilla. Had the injury cloud going day. into the season, which was the the asterisk I think we both put on it. Yeah, I think the issue was he didn't miss games later in the year. Apart from that, he could have definitely got it done. We just got the wrong guy in Queensland.
1: Yep, <laughs> just got the wrong guy in Queensland. I did say I was like, because I listened back to it, I was like, I'm not going to go the obvious guys like Oliver and Neil. Nope. So I mean Oliver was injured. If Oliver and Tuke were injured, it would have been a Tuke Oliver Neil top three. Who knows? Maybe run that Glass. one back for next year. Now, premiership, you had another prediction.
0: You again went big. You had your dream like oh, yep. premonitions. You sure. knew who was in there. You knew who won. It was Carlton Brisbane, and we mm. won. You obviously
1: just the wrong week.
0: You saw C. You saw. CV Brisbane wins, um, Mm. which is unfortunate. Just didn't get there in the end. Uh, I had Brisbane. I ran that back for about the 12th year in a row. Mm. But the one thing that you touched on, I'm glad you mentioned it. So now it doesn't sound like I'm a massive wanker bringing it up myself. But (laughs) I just jotted down here that I, I did say that we would lose the prelim. We'd make the prelim, lose in heartbreaking yeah. fashion, and then go on to win yeah. the flag in 24, 25, and twenty six. So now that that one's happened, Brisbane just couldn't get it done for me. Mm-hmm. But I reckon put the house on Carlton winning the flag the next three years.
1: Uh, other end of the ladder, wooden spoon. I don't want to talk about this one. I went. If Hawthorne. you want, if you want to see yep. how. Poor we are at <laughs> Man <Man-backing laughs> Predictions, go back and listen to this five minutes of who we thought was going to be... We? We? You had... Do not start me. You what? had... You said Essendon was a smoky for Wooden Spoon and St Kilda smoky for Wooden Spoon.
0: Okay. In, in my defense, I think Essendon were garbage, so I'll, I'll say... Not too bad. St. Kilda was the issue, but I wasn't going as hard. Like, I had named about 12 teams for the wooden spoon by the time I got to St. Kilda. We both
1: thought West Coast would improve. You said North were not going to be that bad.
0: I still, I still believe that North aren't that bad. I still don't think they're that bad. did they lose to West Coast? They were so close in so many games this year. I still think that they're gonna take a bit of a jump in the next couple of years. They got some talent there. They got some talent.
1: The only game they won was the one that they wanted to lose. To get and the- now they're
0: like gonna they and now the AFL's given them every draft pick under the sun, so they can trade it to West Coast and they're get the number one pick. So they've they've sorted it out nicely. And now the AFL doesn't have to give anything to West Coast as well. It all works out. Yeah, but I had Hawthorne, which didn't work out well. I thought they just traded out too much experience. Not bad. And that they wouldn't do it, but my God, was I proven wrong? But yeah, someone that maybe was um, not too smart in their prediction. So you said, <laughs> who'd you say for Wooden Spoon, and where do they end up finishing um, at so, the end of the season? Was it fourth? Honestly, did they lose?
1: Honestly, the I said by the greens, and not, not I said the, the greens the were their only good player, and I kind of just kind of stand by that still. Ooh, anyway. He goes bold i am still just I still don't believe in them and I guess they'll be they'll definitely be you're running a it back next year, slider. wooden spoon next year? <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely gonna be a slighter prediction because I definitely don't believe in them. Even though they beat us, no. I know we weren't trying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But no, pretty bad for but me. You can try all you want,
0: but that may be the worst prediction that's ever been made on this show. And I'm just oh, glad it wasn't I, me for once. Ah. Normally is. It normally normally is, but let's move away from talking about the both of us. Let's get into some listener questions. Wait. We asked you guys on Twitter, at Navy Blue Corner, to send in your 2023 season review questions. Now, I had a bit of a look and a lot are very list-oriented. Now, just to let everyone know, we will be doing some list analysis episodes. We're doing a lot on that to look at our needs, look at the depth chart, best 22, where we need to improve, if guys on our list can do that, we're going to be delving into that in ridiculous, in ridiculous depth. So we might touch on that a little bit in this episode to answer some of these mm. questions, but don't worry. There's more content to come. It doesn't stop here. And while I'm rambling on a little bit while Lockie gets these up, feel free. If you haven't already, please, if you're watching this on YouTube, drop your replies to everything that we have covered so far. Mm-hmm. What was your best match? What was your favorite moment, your worst moment? Every single thing that we've covered, drop it down there right now. And if you're listening in podcast form, head over to any social media that you interact with us at Navy Blue Corner. Links are in the description so you don't have to type anything in. Just click away. If you're enjoying the content, now that we're in the off-season and maybe won't be posting every single Tuesday morning at the exact same Mm -hmm. time, things are going to be a bit all over the place release schedule-wise. If you don't want to miss out, if you don't want to have to figure out when we're releasing them, subscribe on YouTube, follow where you get your podcasts, and it'll just be there sitting for you, ready to go (laughs) when it's uploaded. Just trying to make your life easier.
1: (laughs) You're such a nice guy, man.
0: That's it.
1: 100%. All right. Let's dive into a few of these. So firstly, and obviously, I'm not going to provide my thoughts on this. As everyone knows, this is a segment where you just get put... To questions with no Well, we uh, don't
0: want we don't want the opinion of a guy who thought GWS were wooden spoons.
1: (laughs) That's true. That's true. I'm merely a co-host here. So from (laughs) So Race Boy Four Five Eight. We kind of touched on this earlier. What kind of player do you think the team is lacking? Or do you think we have all the players and it's just a matter of depth Mm. now? I'm interested to hear this is a bit of a, you know, trade period kind of Mm. pre talk.
0: I like it. I think there's still a couple of things. Some of it's depth, which I won't touch too much on, like in key position Mm -hmm. players. Like We can always get depth into those areas. It feels like the one that we have been crying out for for a few years now is that guy who can play like high half forward, impact kicks goals, but then goes into the midfield and has an absolute blinder out of nowhere that and it's hard because yep. those are the best plays in the competition and your mind goes to you know your <laughs> dustin martin your jordan De at the high end of things your, maybe tom yep. papley toby yeah, green sure. guys that literally they just kick goals for fun and they can go in the midfield and cause some mayhem there it's so obviously a hmm. player i don't think we have but right now it's no. like where do you get that because they're either already established and they're going to cost you 25,000 first rounders and so much salary uh-huh. cap that we don't have. I feel like we haven't really built our list in a way to have one of those, but I do think that with the way the rest of the team works, you can find someone else to play that role. We're, at the moment we're lacking what we drafted Piotrowski, Seton and Zach Fisher to be that half <laughs> forward. That mid. Best point you've made today. Impact mid, but can also hit the scoreboard. None of those have kind of developed into what we wanted them to be. One's no longer on the list. One may get traded at the end of the year, which is unfortunate Mm -hmm. because they showed the promise that we needed. I think whether we go to draft a player like that that can have that impact that may still take a few years or whether we look at a player from an opposition, like maybe a Hollands that's been linked. I think that's the area, that mid forward connection. It seems like the one bit we don't have but yeah, and it, I guess that works for that kind of point of difference in the midfield, knowing we're so heavy, heavily contested and maybe not mm. the fastest team. Bit of leg speed through the midfield that can also add goals. But like I said, it's so hard to get those players. There's not many, and they're normally elite. So good luck fitting yeah. that in. <laughs> Where can you, you know money ball-wise, get a cheaper version of that or a few players that offer those kind of roles? Like we've managed to find a Fogarty to be that kind of
1: Mid forward defensive style player. There's something in it. Yeah, there is, and yeah, I mean, if when you look down our list of goal kickers this year, it's I think I felt like last year we had a bit more of like mids kicking goals than mm. this year. Like it, our, our top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight are all forwards. Nine are yeah. all forwards. T- our tenth highest goal kicker was Acres, who kicked ten. It's like mm. there's it's it's a pretty glaring thing there like n- none of those eight guys um are rolling through three oh, mm. top nine guys are rolling through the midfield ever mm. it felt More like motlock maybe can be that guy at some point i just i, I don't agree. think it's going to be next year i don't think yeah. i don't think it's too soon i was hoping it
0: was martin but i don't think he's that midfield player that we thought
1: maybe it's zach williams nah <laughs> could be zach williams dom in the den. Where do you expect the most organic growth on our list? We have many players, twenty-three and younger. Who are you most Mm. excited for in twenty-four? So let's. I'm talking. I'm feeling like this is like early, early preview for our predictions. Are there any guys Mm. you're thinking, like, where's your your Brody Kemp for next year? This is an interesting one, actually. This is
0: really tough. It feels as if this season, most of our bulk, twenty-three, by the end of the season there's not a lot of like super young guys to come through like I think Mm -hmm. like I don't think a guy like a Matty Cottrell has like a ridiculous ceiling to go but if he can just keep doing what he's doing in like the final series that's massive like that improvement that we saw at the back end of this year impacting the scoreboard I think that's a positive thing but if I'm looking at like a younger guy that can maybe take that step. Like I'm excited to see what a Jackson Binns could do with what he was able to do at totally. VFL level. He's someone that also has spent some time in that half forward role in the in the under 18s and not maybe as much VFL wise. But I think compared to him and Hollands, he can go forward a little bit more. Which is could he be that mid forward connection in a few years? Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to name. I'm going to name two players here that are my go-tos. One was because of looking at how many goals he kicked for how many games I feel like he played. Kicked 11 goals this year. I want to quickly find out how many games this man played because he maybe didn't have as much impact thinking back, but looking at the stats, the man played 11 games, kicked 11 goals, Corey Durden. He's yep. almost a forgotten man. He's 21 years Definitely. of age. Definitely, He's only played 34 games of football. He could be someone mm. that we're not thinking about in this forward line because you've got the likes of Motlop, Owees, Martin already there. He could be that missing link that all of a sudden, maybe Motlop goes a little higher up the ground, Durden takes that forward role, and he becomes that ridiculous goal scorer. I think he was a shining yeah. light in that GWS game late. So he could be yep. one and then... Not really that big of a shout, but uh, just Zach Williams Zach we've yeah. kind of all forgotten that he exists
1: that's a good a fit Zach bro Williams himself. into
0: this team whether he's playing halfback, whether he gets some midfield minutes who knows but they were so high on him at the end of at the, in the preseason talking about how important he was to our ball movement we saw that be an area we struggled with this year throw him in he will be raring to go mm-hmm
1: love that that's that, that's the perfect response to like yeah, oh my God. if we get the best version of him somehow, like that is a massive massive step forward yeah. Be um, I like this I like this question you, you kind of answered it, but I want you to put your stamp on it from Dr. Blue given our limited draft hand, most of our improvement has to come from within the list. Mm-hmm. If we could add one player to our list from another club, name that player. Not necessarily Ooh. doesn't need to be possible doesn't need to be like a this is not a realistic play mm. and you can do a realistic play if you want actually because that's even hotter. <laughs> but uh, th- like
0: the first guy that comes to mind super super unrealistic is just that's Errol Errol Goulden. yeah
1: honestly like, he's my number one
0: because he's the he's the flashy midfielder that just kicks goals on the run all day and that's the kind of thing I do Perfect. think we're still missing but it's like where do you get that player I'm not sure where an Errol golden Light is like I'm trying to look through the the goal kickers this year and like is there a guy that kicked a lot of goals that you can think maybe be available that can play that role, but I'm just not sure anyone like that would be even close to available God, like so that's the hardest thing like it, as far as players we're getting linked to, there doesn't seem to be many, there doesn't seem to be many good players linked with a move out of their team this year. This is honestly when looking mm. at all the players free agents or in the trade realm, it's probably the most underwhelming thing possible. Like, yeah, gimme give gimme give Errol Goulden or Zach Bailey, but like you're not getting them. Like, but those are the yeah. kind of players no, that no, no, no. would excite me. Can you find a guy like that in the draft? I don't know. I would be I'll be mm. moving all my draft picks to get a top three pick to get Dersmer in um, in this year's draft. I think he's that perfect mid forward, but we're not going to be that high
1: in the draft. Unfortunately, he's going to go like pick three or pick four. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fair call. Um, Let's round that with one more question. We probably haven't talked about him enough for how the end of the season was. So from our good mate, very hoodish, let's talk about the one and only Blake. Not a question, but it's bit, it was such an interesting year for Acres. Mm. How, how how did you? It, it's it's so hard to like take the recency bias out of it. Can you give an objective thought on you know the Acres situation one year one year in? It
0: was yeah.
1: I thought he started really really well. Like to.
0: I'm just looking at some of the yep. votes we gave him. Round two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave him best on, you gave him second best, you know, West Coast later mm-hmm. on. We gave him both second best. And it felt like that start, uh-huh. he was like, okay, we've sorted the wings out. Him and Holland's playing really well. This is what we wanted. And then in the patch where we were absolutely garbage, he unfortunately was as well. And you're thinking, like, remember, remember this season when the man was never kicking the ball, and any time he did, it was a turnover on the full. And it became absolutely. His, I don't want Blake Akers to touch the ball. He's become the new whipping boy of just oh, I don't want this guy anywhere near the ball. And then it's all of a sudden we start playing some good football, we get some confidence back, and then yeah, him and Walshy is best finals players possible. Stood yep. up in every moment. I can't believe just to I think finish my massive appreciation of Blake Akers. Has there ever been a player in the AFL to stop more goals with any part of his body? No way. He had fingertips. He had his hair. Like that that is bizarre. I've never (laughs) seen one player in particular to do it. And some people will be like, it's a bit of a fluke for him to just, you know, have happened to be the guy that gets his hand on it, but it's the work rate from Kim to get in the position on the goal line to stop it and to put his hand there. I mean, Blake Akers, what a recruit. Future third rounder. Have fun any day of the week. Maybe we unearth another yeah. player like that where you're not maybe as, as high on a Blake Akers going, yeah, he's solid. It's going to be a decent recruit. And then he becomes the superstar. I think that is maybe the area that excites me with with Nick Austin
1: this offseason. season. But it's crazy that I feel like you and I were quite high on him mm. and we still only had to give that up. Like, yeah. <laughs> if there's a player that you're not that high on, uh, yeah. They're almost not like going to get traded. They're just like mm. a preseason kind of pickup kind of sitch. Yeah. yeah I'd just yeah. well, But Blake Acres, what a season.
0: What a season. And yeah, the best thing is to finish your year on a high. Because preseason's gonna be yes. big and you're gonna have an even better year exactly. next year. But let's let's go on to the awards to wrap let's up this review. Gonna be very exciting. I want all your answers as well. So again, I don't know how many times I have to say this. Drop them in the comments. Head over at Navy Blue Corner. Let us know who you're voting for. I'm also if I remember at some stage, I'm gonna throw these up on like your Instagram story and maybe a thread or so on Twitter to let you guys vote in this as well to get a Unanimous fan-listener-voted awards. That'll be a bit of fun, but drop them now anyway to get that conversation started. Most improved player. Now, you had Mm. your Jesse Motlop for this. I had Adam Chera. Let's see if any of those predictions came true. Who is your most improved player Mm. for Season 2023?
1: (laughs) It's a very subjective, difficult award to do because like the Chera one... Going from 10th in the best and fairest to first, it's like that Mm. debate of like if you come from nowhere to being like a best 22 player, is that more impressive than going from like Mm. a fine to fantastic? So that's the question. For me, I think it has to be Brody Kemp. Yep. Because listening back to where we were at at the start of this season, we were like, this guy hasn't even shown anything in the VFL. Mm. He literally did a spin move in a game, and that was that's his highlight. To he is the key defender of the future for mm. the club, and I think that 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 deserves most improved for mine. I absolutely love it. I have to give an honourable honorable
0: mention because I was going between mm-hmm. two players. The one who missed out was Lockie Fogarty. I had him so far behind Brody Kent because I didn't have the stealing thought on a Fogarty. He was someone that, look, you're just on the list until your contract winds up and then you're out of here, buddy. You are just VFL depth. You're not even looking likely to come into the team in a small forward capacity or in a midfield capacity. And for him to do what he did this season, play some really, really good football, be pivotal, pivotal in our second half of the season come back with his pressure I thought was great. But why he doesn't get this is simply you – know, I don't want to be too harsh on him. I still don't know if his best 22 come next season. Hmm. I still don't have him nailed on. Whereas if I'm looking at a guy like Brody Kemp where I, I – I was so harsh and negative on him because I wanted him to be good so much. And I just yeah, wasn't sure yeah. what he was. He hadn't shown me enough in the VFL – Was he an intercept defender? He hadn't done a lot. Was he a forward? I thought he was even worse at that. I just hadn't seen... (laughs) I hadn't even seen the glimpses. Sometimes with a decoding, you see the flashy mark or you see something and you go, okay, he's pretty raw, but there's something positive. With Brody Kemp, I was like, just show me what you're good at. Just show me one or two elements that I can get behind to show me that you're going to take that step. You have the capability but I need to see something tangible now. And for him to – he's best 22 for me. He's that third defender. I absolutely love what I see from Brody Kemp. Ball use is there, can take the marks. And, yeah, I just wasn't expecting the rise we saw from Brody Kemp. And it's a hard back line to break into. It's probably the best part of our whole team. And for him to break in and be such a massive part of that this year where sometimes he'd fly and take a mark and you're like, oh, Classic weedering Hang on a minute, that was Brody Kemp. Oh, so I had the literally. shaved heads, and look so similar yeah. that you're like, "Oh yeah, typical weedering, and you're gone. Holy shit, that was Brody Kemp that just did that. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's 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 such a big thing. So yeah, I've given it to Brody Kemp as well. Exceptional for year. sure.
1: When you think about weeders, him, Young, McGovern, Marchbank, like all the guys that are like competing down there, he is obviously the one with the most upside from mm. now. Yeah. So, yeah. Hats it's off exciting. to it. It's crazy. It's so good. And then we've got the other award, the
0: best recruit. So this could be someone that we've brought over from another club. Could be a draftee. Very stiff on one guy. Very stiff, I think, on one guy who I haven't got as mine. But I think very, very easy choice. You give me a look like you have not it? on the same page. <laughs> I, I am concerned. You who is your yours. best recruit? No, oh, okay. You can
1: say yours because you've... It's, you've...
0: It's yeah. the man we've just spent half an hour talking about. It's Blake Akers, okay, surely.
1: Sure. Of course. Of yeah. course. Was, Very stiff I on. I thought you were gaslighting yeah. me there.
0: <laughs> it's stiff on Ollie Holland's, who had a really, yeah. really great year as a first year player, had the balls to take that kick on to find Doc, nailed it, end up getting us into a prelim. But Blake Akers was the man who kicked the goal, who got to that spot. And yeah, I just think Blake mm-hmm. Akers, for everything we spoke about previously, Exceptional like best 22
1: missing piece missed one missed one game this year, played uh, with the collarbone shoulder. Four, in G- yeah, think, yeah
0: he really, it was the I think the GWS game was the one he injured himself, yes. played with one arm, and was still one of the better players. And then to play the end of the season with the same thing like the bloke just He yeah. is so resilient and tough. We love Sheriff, what a man! So what good, the sheriff. A man. But this is the moment, not only is this the uh. The, the best and fairest type award that is already got everyone excited. But this is the, the, hard,
1: the
0: hard launch of the name. Lockie, we have spent years trying to come Literally up. Literally
1: four with years.
0: With the best name for this award. Because we didn't want to just call it uh, the Navy Blue Corner Medal. We, we were just hoping for something. And we got so many people sending in their names. And I know. Honestly, Thank you so
1: much for all the messages.
0: Honestly, thank God you did because we still couldn't come up with anything. And I've got to give an yeah. honorable mention shout out here to Alex Reeves who suggested the Emblem Award. And when this came in, I was like, holy shit, that's, that's what I'm needing. I'm getting it. The CFC on the chest, the monogram on the front means more than the number on the back. I'm like, there's something in this. Like, this is 100% the thinking that I'm after. And Mm we were thinking about it, like, what do we do? And then out of nowhere, big Cam Oxford has come through with the greatest name possible because he's ticked not only the part Mm. of the emblem award that we were thinking about, but you, Lockie, you were big on (laughs) I want a ridiculously long stupid name and that ticks everything, all the boxes, fits the criteria. So our best and fairest award that all our votes go to is now crowned the Navy Blue Corner Blue Bagger Badge of Honour. Oh, How good is it's this? Good. The NBC BBBH, the greatest <laughs> award, the most coveted Carlton Award that every player wants to win every single season, the Navy Blue Corner Blue Bagger Badge of Honour. Let's go through mm-hmm. the top 10 to see who go takes on. out this award. It's prestigious in 10th place with 10 votes. Sam Doherty. Great year. Gets there in 10th. Then we skip ninth and go straight to 8th because there are two guys that have tied for this. In 12 votes, in 8th place, G. Hewitt and mm-hmm. H. Mackay. Big seasons for both of those. Surprising yep. to see, I guess, Harry much maligned this season to still find a way mm-hmm. to be in that top 10. It shows when he's when he's totally. on, he's unbelievable. And big from George Hewitt To From midway point, is he... In our best team, too. Yes, you Mm -hmm. are. And you're high up there in the votes. We'll go to seventh place with 16 of the finest. It is our skipper, P. Cripps. Unbelievable to see him up there. Didn't have the greatest individual year, but he didn't need to because everyone else was finally stepping up. In sixth place, 20 votes. B, Acres, which is big. In fifth, now this is the top five. Can you... Would you be able to guess the top five, Lockie? Who are you thinking maybe is up here?
1: Can you give me a bit of a hint? Or do you know oh, the results? No, I don't. I actually have no idea because I've only, I didn't have access after Good. I left for Europe. Um, you know, change the passwords. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy that Cripps led out Brawlo and man. made all Australian down there. Um, you know, obviously your man, Nick Newman,'s got to be around it. Mm. Um, obviously, Chez, um, you know, Weeders. They're the kind of guys that I'm thinking about here that could be in with a shot. It's going to be close
0: now. There's not a lot splitting it. In fifth place on 28 votes, it is Jay Wietering. There How this man wasn't all Australian, I still don't know. But there was one right. vote separating this fifth and fourth. In 29 votes, my man, Nick Newman, just Whoa. misses out on the top three. Interesting. I thought he gets three. fourth by okay. one. Now, the guy who made third, I can't believe this. He missed, I think it's eight or nine games this season and managed to not only make third, is, yeah. he didn't He didn't get there by one vote. He didn't, make, he didn't even get 30 just to get there. With 39 votes in third. Sam Walsh, ridiculous Amazing. second half of the season. The finals votes is what really got this man over the line. If you take finals away, maybe he doesn't get up here, but he was <laughs> okay. the finals MVP <laughs> But in For sure. second, there are four votes between first and second here. It was tight in second place in 41 votes. I think if he didn't miss games of football, he would have taken it out. It is a Chera just wow. in second. Unbelievable season. But the Navy, the 2023 20, Navy blue corner, blue bagger badge of honor goes to <laughs> with 45 votes. Charlie Curno, Mr. Coleman back to there. back. What a season from this man. Is he who you would have given your, if you just got to vote right now and said this guy was our best player all season, would he have been the guy you gave it to?
1: Wow, that's a really good question. I think he was our best player this season. Mm. But I think Nick Newman is going to go home with the John Nichols, is my, yeah. like just the way that our voting's different. Uh, mm. Yeah. So I think a very worthy winner of whatever our award is called. <laughs>
0: Oh, he's shown disrespect the Navy immediately. Blue corner,
1: blue bag, a badge of honor. I'm sorry. Thank
0: you. Give the NBC BBH some years. goddamn respect. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would have given it to Charlie as well. But I agree with you. If we were doing a, you know, everyone kind of gets votes every week. I think the consistency yeah. in Nick Newman, he deserves to be higher. Should have been higher, as some might yeah. say, and over delivering
1: um, as well. Yes. Like, oh,
0: from where he was, one hundred season. Yeah, he deserved. We almost needed to make up some award so we could give it to Nick Newman. Maybe we find. Maybe he gets the Nick Newman award, and we give that out next year <laughs> to the guy really that good. we don't have an award for, but he deserves something there for the go. season he gets. The Nick We're Newman Memorial Memorial Medal will be given out next year. <laughs> Nick Newman gets right, the first year because um, that one's big. But look, that is basically going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for sticking by. Ooh. It's a long one to go through the predictions, go through the awards. Talk about the big season. But as we said, plenty more content to come. There is list analysis, trade build up, trade recap, draft build up, draft recap, best 22s, everything galore will be going on in this offseason. So we don't stop, even though the football does. And if you want us to cover anything, if you want an episode around anything, drop it in the comments on YouTube. Let us know at Navy Blue Corner. There's content that you want. If there's a video or podcast that you want us to do, let us know and we'll make sure that it happens. But Lockie, do you have any final words
1: for the season that was 2023 <sighs> before we wrap up? Wow. What a bloody season. It feels like five years long. So many chapters. Mm. Um, yeah. It was just the, the most enjoyable season ever of watching yeah. Carlton in our lives, um, only to be topped uh, by next year. I agree. I'm not going to add anything anything to that because
0: that was absolutely perfect. But that is going to wrap up the 2023 season review episode. Up the bloody baggers. See you guys next time.